Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Friday edition, the last edition of the Rebel Report before we actually have football. Ole Miss football to talk about. Welcome in. I am Michael Borky, Stephen Gagliano. It is great to be with you guys on this Friday, a day after we got a full slate of college football. 16 games. We won't get another Thursday like that, but still we got it. And uh, a lot to take away from that. So what we're going to do is... uh, Look at one of the games that happened last night. No, not Ohio State-Minnesota, although quick take on Ohio State. Uh, The back seven of their defense is just as bad as it was last year, and they were able to mask it because they play a weak schedule. But once they run the table and make the playoff, Clemson, Alabama, whoever, Oklahoma, is going to expose that they are weak in the back seven of the defense. Defensive line, nasty. Um, What is it, number six? Or, or it's, either, it's either six or nine, uh, the defensive who, tackle. Yeah, the one who holy, almost got called for targeting early in the game. Holy crap, that guy can play. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he, he's a, an NFL player. Uh, aside from that, the back seven, not very good for Ohio State. That'll get exposed eventually, and uh, the quarterback's not ready to win a championship. It's not fair because it's his first college action, but if that's going to be a national championship team, he has to improve by leaps and bounds if they're going to beat somebody like that. And I know he will with things like decision-making and pocket presence, all that kind of stuff. I don't like the way the ball comes out of his hand. It's weird. It looks odd, and it floats. Maybe that's something he can work on, but I don't know. You try to change a throwing motion by the time you're in college. I think it might be too late. Yeah, it didn't have any confidence at all. It's it's what I talk to people often about, the jump from high school to college and college to the NFL. He bailed from clean pockets last night. They probably weren't clean pockets in high school. <laughs> a clean pocket in college is different than one in high school. He he would not, and Matt Corral does a really good job of this, keeping your eyes downfield and feeling pressure from one side, but it's not a free defender. Assistive defenders like maybe pushing your guard back into you, sliding in the pocket and still being comfortable to stand and deliver a football. The second he felt any of that pressure, he would bail, and it was a disaster. So he's got to get better. Uh, they still won the game, but uh, he's got to get better. Uh, Mississippi State's next opponent looked really good. That was last 24 night. zip by the time I was able to turn that one yeah. on. So they have an elite level running back at NC State, an experienced quarterback. You know, it's USF. How much can we really read into USF? Who knows? But uh, State's got their hands full next weekend, big time with NC State. Besides Tennessee, so I'm going to put Tennessee aside for a reason. Was there anything else that you saw last night that you liked or didn't like or anything in between? UCF. I stayed up and watched that whole game. Did you game. really? I did. Good for you. Yeah, for whatever I reason. I, just, I couldn't fall asleep last night, and I was really just enthralled watching that game. And I think Dylan Gabriel stepped up late. Obviously, they were down, what was it, 24-3? to 24-3. Yeah, yeah, at one point, able to storm all the way back. He made some big plays. They have a transfer running back from Wisconsin, I believe. Isaiah Bowser is his name. Ran really hard. Not the fastest guy in the world, but was able to run through some people. I think they gave him like 30-something carries, which you don't often see in college football these days. So I was really impressed by UCF last night. Yeah, good for Gus. Uh, You know, I think he got a bad rap at Auburn. And, And some people call me crazy for thinking that. He shared a state 
with the greatest college football <laughs> coach of all time. He shared a state with that man. I mean, it's you, you can't just go win a bunch of national championships sharing a state with Nick Saban. I, I think he got a bad rep. And no, it didn't work towards the end, especially it didn't look right. But he did a considering what he was up against. I think he had, did a better job than people give him credit for. And now he's about to have a power five job again. Yeah, and and I think what happened with him at Auburn, everyone was always going to compare it to the national championship that Gene Chizik won. And Gene Chizik won that national championship solely because of Cam Newton. Literally only because of Cam Newton. Gene Chizik probably got in the way more than anything of winning (laughs) that national championship. And since then, it's always been we have to win the national championship. That's not Auburn's expectation, or it shouldn't be, as long as Nick Saban is at Alabama. It still blows my mind to look at the offense that Cam Newton had. Not schematically, but the personnel. He was the only NFL player. Yeah, I a thought, national championship winning SEC wow. team had one NFL player on the offense. I thought Michael Dyer was going to be a good player. He was. Then he had some issues, I yeah. think, off the field. Wow, there really wasn't a ton there of talent on that offense. No. Looking back on it, Cam, Cam Newton. That you know, obviously, these last few years, injuries have caught up to him. Getting hit probably more than any quarterback in the NFL has caught up to him. Yeah. But when you go back and watch some of those games and how dominant he was and how physical he was especially in the college game it's incredible yeah for sure so why he got paid so much putting tennessee off till the end because tennessee is on old miss's schedule now the caveat here is that it was one game and it was joe milton's first you know real action as a real starter right i mean he played a little bit at michigan didn't he he started a couple games i believe i'll look that up Double-check me. I think you're right. Either way, it's a new quarterback, new system, new coach, all that. They are awful. <laughs> and in the kind of awful where it's not, yeah, they played bad, but it's clearly a good team. No, they played bad because they're bad. Tennessee has gone from on the schedule where when you, you, know, you, you go through each game and put a W or an L or a toss-up next to every game, I, I've... Going into this season and going into last night, I figured that Tennessee would be a game that Ole Miss could win. Now I think it's a game that Ole Miss really, and it's a it's a week one overreaction, of course. It's what uh, week one's for. That's what week one's for. Clearly overreacting to a small sample size, but my gosh, that is a game that Ole Miss should win and win comfortably. Tennessee is awful. That is a Bowling Green team who is starting a walk on at center because they have to, not because he just came out of nowhere and surprised everyone and was this, like, Rudy-type story. Although Rudy only played two snaps. A walk-on <laughs> at center, the only walk-on center to start in the country, if I understand it correctly. And then, if I heard Tom Hart correctly, their right tackle, their starting right tackle, started playing offensive line four weeks ago. Where was he before? Defensive I think on line, the other maybe? side of the ball. Jeez. Only started we, playing offensive line that. four weeks ago. We've seen that... On the Ole Miss roster, some shaking and moving guys from offense to defense, but they're not starting starting. the opening game of the season. They're not even on the damn depth chart. Right. It was a team that was winless a year ago, and one of the youngest teams in all of college football, one of the least experienced teams in all of college football, the majority of their roster was getting their first collegiate action last night. The overwhelming majority of that roster. And it was 14-6 to at halftime. They schemed 
out-schemed Tennessee's offense. They just didn't have the personnel to stop it. I mean, poor guys. God bless them. They did not yeah. have the personnel to stop it. Yeah, at some they point, were, talent just took over. They were three or four steps slow, couldn't match up physically. But schematically, they – I mean, everything I saw from Tennessee last night was bad. Everybody was obsessed with it. Wow, they're going so fast. They're snapping the ball three seconds into the play clock. That's That's fine. But when you have a quarterback that cannot accurately deliver the football to his wide receivers, it doesn't matter when you start the, the play. And they looked gassed. It looked like they wore themselves out by going that fast. Yeah, that's what that style of play can do. One, it can wear your own players out. And two, once you get into playing better competition, if you're not executing well, you're going to put your defense in some really tough spots by going three and out in a drive that takes all of 45 seconds. And Ole Miss Hello, fans Phil can... Longo. I was Yeah, I was about to say, Ole Miss fans do not have to think back too far to know what that can do and the imbalance that, that can place on a team. So you don't think I'm crazy then. I, I think Tennessee has gone from a game that they should win, but it's on the road and it's dicey, to if that's the Tennessee we get all year, Ole Miss should win by many touchdowns. I, I mean, Joe Milton... Physically is impressive. Like his stature, he's impressive. And, um, and he started the season for Michigan last year and then got benched after, I think, four games okay. is what I'm gathering here. Um, and here's a lesson on transfers. Sometimes you can get good transfer quarterbacks. Sometimes you can get good transfer players. Most of the time, most of the guys in the portal, I should say, transferred for a reason. There's a reason Joe Milton left Michigan for a reason. There's a reason Chase Bryce was playing for App State last night in the same stadium where Clemson will play tomorrow. Yes. And, I mean, Ole Miss has used the portal to their advantage. Chance Campbell is one of the rare guys that is really good who transferred. And so that works out. Joe Burrow, really good, just was at Ohio State and other really good players there. Uh Joe Milton appears to be the kind of transfer that he left because he wasn't very good. I mean, he's got a rocket arm. He has no idea where it's going. <laughs> and the touch is Just unbelievable. Just kind of point it and hope it goes somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. I saw somebody tweet last night, and they were so right. They're like, if you need Joe Milton to throw it 50 yards, he'll throw it 50 yards. He'll throw it 50 yards when he needs to throw it 20 yards. <laughs> <laughs> like that, yes. I mean, accuracy is abysmal. Touch on deep balls is awful. And I don't think that's something that can get corrected. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, at, again, at this point. Same kind of thing like I was saying with C.J. Stroud. By the time you get to this point of your career, can you really change your throwing motion, or can you teach touch? Or and and why does he stand flat-footed in the pocket? That drives Joe me Milton. nuts. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. He Who does, does not that? move. He's flat on his feet, just looking around. <laughs> yeah. Once he gets the ball in his hands, unless he's taking off to run, he's not going anywhere. It, it makes no sense. It's bizarre. That's day one of being taught how to play quarterback. And you wonder why you're not accurate because your, your feet aren't ready to throw the football. Yep. What a bizarre night. I mean, I, I was halfway joking this All morning. All that to say I, that they won 38-6. to six. Right. Well, again, Bowling Green is one of yeah, the worst yeah. teams in, in the FBS. But I was halfway joking when I said, you know, it feels like Tennessee got upset. They won the game, and it feels like they didn't. I mean, their fans, rightfully so and good for them, are not happy. And, and they shouldn't be. There's no spinning what you saw, what you saw was a disaster. It's one game, it's first-year coach. It was not going to go well this year regardless. But holy crap, <laughs> I did not realize it was going to be that 
bad. It was going to look that bad. Yeah, those kind of season openers, I think the it's almost like a preseason NFL game where the final score is really irrelevant. I always look at it at halftime. That's where that game should already be out of hand by the time you go in for the half. 14 to 6. Yeah, if it's not, then you've got an issue. Because, again, talent and just the the talent gap between the two schools is going to take over at some point. It even did to an extent in the Minnesota-Ohio State game last night. But Yeah, Ohio State depth and talent took over late and yeah. they ran away. And so for Tennessee to to only be up 14 to 6 going into the half, that's almost the result that you look at, not the final score. It was an, it, it's yeah. an embarrassment. On that note, I have a thought about Ole Miss and Louisville. That's why you guys are here, right? I mean, as much as I love talking college football, you're here to hear about Ole Miss. And uh, what Steven said just brought me to what will be the topic of today's podcast. First, I want to remind you, podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. It's an office technology solutions company. Uh, They started in Jackson, but they service the entire state. So if you are a company in Mississippi or you're a decision maker at a company in Mississippi and you're looking for office technology, things from copiers and printers to mail machines all the way down to uh, cloud storage and data security, office technology. If you're in the market, absms.com is the website. Tell them we sent you and you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So uh, you can find out... You have a budget, you find out what can fit your budget, that kind of stuff. They'll come out, assess your needs, and they'll do it for free. Just tell them we sent you. And also, uh, LB's just across from Kroger and University Avenue. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. As we told you earlier this week, it's a perfect weekend for the grill because you don't have to stress about Ole Miss. (laughs) But I'm about to tell you, you shouldn't stress about Ole Miss. But anyway, perfect grilling day coming up on Saturday. Watch your football Put something on the grill, and you get that at LB's. They also have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday, but they are open seven days a week. So if you're in a pinch on Sunday afternoon, you want to throw something on the grill, you can get it there and tell them we sent you. All right, Stephen, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I ranted about this on the radio show the other day, or I think it was yesterday. Ole Miss fans seem to be confident in this game, most of them anyway, and understandably so. But I still hear it from some about how they're nervous and stuff like that. I heard uh, on the broadcast for Jacksonville State UAB, one of the guys calling the game said the over-under for Ole Miss Louisville should be set at 172. (laughs) And uh, I've seen folks on Twitter and stuff say things like, oh, it's going to be a track meet, what an electric game, and all that kind of stuff that's coming. And maybe that's the case. But if that is the case... This is going to be a long season for Ole Miss. When you really look at Louisville, yes, it's a it's a brand. They've got Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson in the NFL, and Malik Cunningham is a guy that resembles them. He's an accurate passer. Don't sleep on his ability to throw the football, especially short to intermediate routes. Uh, deep passing game leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, but he's a hell of an athlete on top of that and an accurate passer. Good player. But when you look at Louisville as a whole, Defensively, they were solid last year. Replace a bunch of guys from that defense, and it's transfers from FCS programs. It's transfers from places like Southern Miss, where a player that wasn't exactly that productive at Southern Miss is now possibly going to be starting at Louisville, those kind of things. So they replace a bunch of bodies from last year's defense. 
and it doesn't appear that they went talent for talent. If you look at 24-7's team ranking composite thing the last four years, they're somewhere in the 60s in terms of total team talent, and their best weapons offensively a year ago, not named Malik Cunningham, are gone. This is a game where if Ole Miss is who everybody around here thinks that they are, if it is at a program that is going to win eight games in the SEC, if they're supposed to be nationally ranked, if they're going to have a Heisman Trophy contender at quarterback that goes in the first round, this game on Monday should not be close. It should not be a 172-point total track meet. It shouldn't be a one-score game. This is a game that Ole Miss should win and win comfortably. And if that is not what happens, it's going to be a long year. Even if they win the game, because they are or should be, demonstratively better than Louisville. This is not the best quarterback they're going to see in the non-conference, let alone in their schedule. I keep going back to this. I, you know, and I, I understand, trust me, I understand that fans are nervous about every game, and they've been burned in the past. I, I hear you. Trust me. I, I do. But if Ole Miss is what everybody thinks it is, not only should you not be nervous about this game, you should be disappointed if they don't cover the spread in this game. It shouldn't be close if they are who we think they are. And if it doesn't go down like that, 8-4, and four, not going to happen. I think that's a, a really fair way to look at it. And the line that I was asked about was, I think it was right at 10. And at first, I was like, you know, the defense, it was terrible last year. We haven't seen it yet out on the field you know, in in 2021 yet, obviously. But then you do. You start to go through Louisville's roster and how much they lost from last year. They were good in in the secondary, especially. And the transfers that you mentioned, one came from Liberty, another came from Georgia Southern. And these guys are going to start, it looks like. If Ole Miss's offense, one that was the most, one of the most prolific in the nation last year, can't exploit two transfers from places, no offense to them, but Liberty and Georgia Southern, then you've got bigger problems on that team. And on the offensive side of the ball for Louisville, they've got a new offensive coordinator, two weapons from last year gone, leading rusher gone from last year. Malik Cunningham is actually their leading returning rusher. So if you can contain him, you contain the rest of that offense. I truly believe that. And no matter how bad the Ole Miss defense was last year, on paper, looking at this Louisville team, it should not be a problem. Again, if, like you said, if people are expecting this team to win between 8 and 10 games, Louisville should not be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I know this doesn't really matter, uh, but I have talked in the past about fan mentality. And in the past, I think it's changing some, but in the past I have kind of spoken negatively, not kind of, I've spoken negatively about Ole Miss fan mentality and expectations. Um, because I think they're too low. I think you have seen in all three programs that matter that you can win at the highest level. Now, you have to have perspective, of course. I think you and I have talked about this before. You have to have perspective. Ole Miss will never be Alabama in football, so you can't expect that. Uh, Basketball will never be Kentucky, so you can't expect that. Baseball should be much better in the postseason than they are. They, they, that's just reality. You, you know, it's great winning series in April and putting 11,000 people in the stadium. Postseason success is not near enough in terms of what they get for the investment. But we'll save that conversation for next June when the old when it happens again. <laughs> um, 
I've often said that Ole Miss fans need to have higher expectations. The reason I bring that up now is, one, the people that are afraid of this game or, or whatever. And if you are, you shouldn't be. And the people that will, after the game, let's say Ole Miss has to win on a game-winning field goal, and they win 42-39. What I'm going to do Monday night or Tuesday morning when I fire up a live stream and then when we talk on here is talk about how that's not good. Without, of course, seeing how they got there, but still, uh, that result will not be acceptable. And I know there are going to be people that will... Say things. Call me things. You you know how it goes. Absolutely. Why are you a hater? Oh, you're you're too negative. All that stuff. If Louisville runs up and down the field in this defense, it's a problem, and the season's going to go poorly. So if it goes down like that, and you hear me talking negatively about the game, even if they win and it's close, it's because of that mentality. You know what I mean? I don't know if that I made sense of that or not. No, it, it definitely does. Because if you give up, you know, 39 points, let's say, to this team that we just outlined, you know, all the players that they lost and are having to replace, the fact that they – it's not like Alabama where they lose talent and they replace them with five-star guys all across right. the board. That's not what happened here. And so if you give up 39 points and you have to hang on to beat this team, you'll still beat Austin P. You'll beat Tulane. What happens when you play Alabama? How many points do they score on this defense if Louisville is in the able 60s to put up? again? Yep. So that's exactly where you're headed if if for some reason this game ends up 42-39 when it's all said and done. Right. And that, that's a big if. And I like precursoring a hypothetical with my reaction and then a hypothetical reaction <laughs> to my reaction. But you gotta cover um, all your bases. And the reason why I bring this up is that I know two really good guys that uh run a site in Nashville called A to Z Sports. Uh, They cover the Titans, they cover the Predators, and because they're based in Nashville, of course they cover Tennessee, and they do uh, YouTube Live and Facebook, Periscope, stuff like that, have a website, all that good stuff. They're really good at what they do. They've built uh, a really cool thing up there. This morning, one of their hosts, they've got two hosts, one is actually an Ole Miss grad, but he's from Nashville, and the other one is a Tennessee grad. And apparently, after the game last night, they're, uh, they have two guys that do like a Tennessee-focused thing, uh, were negative about the outcome. Tennessee won the game, but they were both like, hey, this sucks. Like, that wasn't good enough at all. And a lot of their listeners and followers were like, why can't you find the positive? Like, we won the game. What's wrong with you? And I think Austin's response this morning was great. He said, we're not talking about measuring Tennessee against Bowling Green. Because if you're if you're going to just do that, that's great. You beat Bowling Green by four touchdowns or five touchdowns. It's awesome. But what would Florida do to Bowling Green? Hell, what would Pittsburgh do, their opponent next weekend, to Bowling Green? What would Alabama do? You play them in October. What would Georgia do? That's who you're comparing this team to. So if you want us to find the positive and struggling with Bowling Green, find another podcast to listen to because it's not going to happen here. You should expect more. That's where this kind of this conversation came from is if I was a Tennessee fan watching that game last night, I'm not asking someone to find the positive. Hell no. I want someone to, you know, <laughs> be honest with me because that result last night was unacceptable. Even though it, if you look at the scoreboard, you think it would be fine. It wasn't. I think fans, fans are so... 
you know, that's what I'm talking about. They're quick to to want someone to just hype them up and agree with them. And please, God, let, especially Tennessee fans, I think at this point, please, God, let this be the year that we return to being somewhat average, well, I guess. They need to keep praying because that's not, <laughs> yeah. not happening this year. <laughs> and I, I think that's where that mindset comes from. And I hope that if if the game goes how we, you know, hypothetically said, 42-39, I would hope that people have the correct perspective on what that means going forward. Mm-hmm. All that being said, I think Ole Miss is going to win comfortably. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think so, All too. that being said, yeah, I think that w- I, when you look at Louisville in totality, it's a team that Ole Miss should because I think I'm really excited about this season, Stephen, for the first time since 2016. Last year, I was excited to see Lane Kiffin. Yep. I did not think they were going to be a good football team, and they weren't. They were a great offense, not a good football team. This is the first time since 2016, and they disappointed that year, that I'm going into the season thinking, shit, this team can be pretty good. <laughs> like, I'm excited about a team because I think they're going to be good, not just it's Lane Kiffin. Right. It's this team's going to be good. Yeah, last year there was a very unknown quotient to a lot of it. This year you know exactly what you have, especially in Matt Corral. You know him and Lane Kiffin, how well they work together. You know what Jeff Lebby is as a contributor on that offense. So you have so many known quotients now where you didn't a year ago ahead of that Florida game. When, you know, and not opening day. I've made that mistake several times. Week one was further back opening last day, year. May, it's fine. Like, that's not <laughs> yeah. even a... If baseball wants to own opening day, that's fine, but I right. mean, who cares? So you had to wait longer for last year. You didn't know how it was all going to come together in a weird season. This year, you have the full return of a college football atmosphere with a team that has the potential to win anywhere between 8 and 10 games. Yeah, for and sure. I think a lot of people are in that same boat. I, you always do have the nervous set of fans... Of and course, I, going I into season, but, I really understand. Yeah, but I think most people really do have high expectations for this team, as they should. I do too. And again, I think that they're, I think they have a chance of being pretty damn good. Um, I, I still don't think they're ready for Alabama or even Texas A and M. But like I said, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. I think that they will be. I will be surprised if they're not in every game. Uh, they got to stay healthy on the defensive line, but. Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin says nothing. He gives nothing away. So when he says things like these two things I'm going to say, he means it. Like he, he is not one to manufacture like, oh, this guy's good, this guy's getting better. He doesn't do that. Uh, other coaches in the past have. Houston Nutt was so full of shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, every player was bigger, stronger, faster. Lane Kiffin is not that guy. He gives away nothing. On uh, Reb Talk, that uh, the coaches show that he does with David Kellum, who, by the way, uh, upset of the century. David Kelm's a wonderful man. I did not expect Lane Kiffin to give the best interviews that he does <laughs> anywhere to David Kelm. Hmm. You would think that he would hate the coaches show, right? Yeah, it doesn't he, seem like his kind of Because he hates press speed. conferences. But he, he apparently, unless he's faking it, which he doesn't do that, he must really love David Kelm. And how could you not? Because, yeah. again, he's a he's a, just a fantastic man. But Where's the interview? Maybe he's had a few drinks or something, loosen up a little a bit. I or, or something. Get one of those pickled juice martinis or something. He just seems so loose when he's talking to Kellum. I don't know. I, I, I hate the coach's show. I hate every coach's show. I actually enjoy listening to David Kellum and Lane Kiffin. 
it seems like Lane really likes him. I don't know. He's really loose with David, and, and that's the upset of the century because he's not loose with anybody. Figured it would just be Dan Patrick or whatever. Um, but last night, he singled out. He said his two starting defensive ends, he said they're really getting after the quarterback right now, and he's like, I'm excited to see them play. It's like, wait, whoa. Lane Kiffin praised somebody, somebody on defense, and said he's excited to see them actually play. That's like out of nowhere because he never does that. And then he reiterated something he said a few weeks ago. He thinks that Braylon Sanders is a first-round pick. And again, Lane Kiffin does not say stuff like that. He doesn't do it. He is as truthful. I say truthful. He just doesn't say anything. Right. So if he says stuff like that, he really means it, and it's outstanding. Because he doesn't manufacture stuff like that. I've n- I've never heard an interview. It's only been a year and a half at Ole Miss where he has singled out players for no reason, just to like hype somebody up. He's the anti-hype. Yep. He, and he, to say that tw- for those guys last night, I was really surprised because he doesn't do that, and it's got to be a welcome sign. And I assume one was Sam Williams. Sam Williams. Yeah. And uh, oh my gosh, his name's escaping me. Um, the other defensive end, oh Canada. My- no, Take, no, he's okay. not. He might not play. He wasn't listed on the depth chart, and he's been kind of hurt in practice. I, I'm so stupid. What is his name? <laughs> While you I'm look that up, up right now, the, the reason I wanted to clarify on Sam Williams was because even at the start of training camp, he mentioned you know Sam Williams as a guy that has NFL potential. Cedric Johnson. Gosh, okay. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Sorry, guys, that was embarrassing. Made a couple starts at the end of last season. Started to kind of come along, and but with Sam Williams, with, with Lane Kiffin saying. He's got to be more consistent, but he has NFL potential. For him to, again, follow up then with him to say he's made those strides and he's looking to become that kind of contributor for this team, I think that does say a lot. Yeah. And forgive us for reading too much into the coaches show, but I think when Lane talks, I listen because I have to. It's my job. But when he talks about specific players, my ears perk up. Yeah, you have to read most of the time the when he's asked, it's, yeah, he's you know he's doing fine. You know, battling with another guy. But when it's yeah, he's getting after the quarterback right now, or yeah, I think he's a first round pick. That that surprises me because he doesn't do that with any. He doesn't do that with Matt Corral. No, he'll he'll put the little rat poison emojis yeah. on Twitter, but that's it. He doesn't he doesn't speak about people specifically all that often. No, he also compared. Who did he compare Ely to recently? I shouldn't have brought it up if I didn't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yeah. I thought that was a really good comparison. And, again, reading between the lines here, that gives you, I think, a little insight into how they're going to use him this season. You know, and what's – I think you're going to see the implementation more of a short passing game and a screen game and stuff like that. And so Matt Crowell's numbers are going to look even better if if he plays within himself. But anyway – uh, I would encourage you guys to listen to it, actually. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, it, Lane Kiffin seems to really like David Kellum. I mean, <laughs> you would think the coach's show was the worst part of his week, but he seems to have fun. It's actually a really, really good listen. So, um, yeah, long story short, Ole Miss should win this game comfortably. If they don't, if it's close, I think it's a big red flag. If they lose, I mean, massive red flag. But... All that being said, I think they will win and win comfortably because I actually, truly expect this team to be pretty damn good. Not the best. They're not ready yet. 
They're not deep enough yet, but pretty damn good. Yeah, depth will come in time, and that's why we've stressed multiple times leading up to this game on Monday over the last couple weeks. Injuries. If injuries pile up for this team, they will be in trouble. On the defensive line, for sure. Especially, yeah. There's not a lot of depth at a couple different spots on this team. So if they can stay healthy, I think they have a really good chance to fall between that 8 and 10 win ceiling, I believe. Last time we'll talk before the game. I mean, we will hopefully (laughs) speak between now and then. But last time we'll talk to you guys before the game. You got a score prediction? Yeah, I'll go 41-27. So, I like that. Again, this defense is not perfect and be, you know, because 41-27 will have me talking very po- and of course not seeing how it happens. Right. If that 27 uh came in the first quarter or the fourth, you know, it changes things, but if that's the final score, you will have a very positive Tuesday podcast. How's yeah, that? I think that's fair. Uh, again, Louisville has lost some pieces from last year. Malik Cunningham, if he if he fixes turnover issues just like Matt Corral does, I think they do have a, a chance to still put up points on an unproven defense that hasn't played together yet. So Ole Miss defense, they're not going to shut anyone out, but I think they will be much improved and make a few impact plays that we'll talk yeah. about. Uh, mine is 42-24 will be my official score prediction. And again, if that is how that works out, you will get a very positive uh, Tuesday edition. of. Well, no, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be Tuesday. Game's late Monday night. Correct. Yeah. Starts at 7 our yeah, time? It's, it's Monday. It's late Monday night, yep. unfortunately. So, anyway, uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy the uh, the predicted win because Steven and I never get anything wrong ever. <laughs> Perfect so, uh, track record. Yeah, lock that in at uh, at your local sports book. And uh, enjoy your weekend, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll talk to you. Oh, man, if somebody listens to this after the game and they lose or something, we're going to look so stupid. <laughs> we'll delete this one off the yeah, stream. Yeah, we'll just no get rid of it. it. Yeah, get rid of it. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Tuesday with a post-game reaction. Ole Miss and Louisville from Atlanta. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.